This is the second half of our episode on polyamory. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, we recommend going back and doing that first to prevent confusion. As a content note, after the first half aired, we received a number of questions about how raising kids in a poly household works. It did not occur to any of us to address this, so this is not covered in this episode. We will be responding to that in an upcoming episode where we reply to questions and comments sent in by listeners about previous episodes. And now, part two of polyamory. Anyway, so the last thing that we said was uh, another steel manning topic, why people might not choose polyamory is because you exist in a world that is unfriendly to people who choose that. That sounds like one of the best counter-arguments, right? Like, wow. If, if, if we're going, well, I mean, I guess it's sort of like a, a counter-argument to being publicly atheist or being publicly anything counterculture, right? Yeah. So like, it's like, is it's, that an argument to stay in the closet if you're gay too? Kind of. It might have been 30 years ago. And I, I think that that, and I guess I say this as somebody who's not gay, but people, you know, somebody with gay friends who, who are still partially in the closet, that uh, they do it because they're worried about how it impacts their non-sexual orientation related life. I think that's the only reason to stay in the closet if you're not, if you're gay, right? I've, I so, don't know. I, like, I've never understood those kinds of things because I'm naturally someone who wants lots of attention anyway. Like, <laughs> like I literally am an attention whore. But good attention, and, probably, presumably. Um, I mean... I, I prefer the good kind, but I don't care. You want to be yourself. You want to put it out there. You want to live, a, you know, yeah, like, life I mean, when, true to your beliefs and true to yourself. And yeah, when I was still in that, uh, in that, you know, other relationship, we would go out sometimes together and like sit together and it was nice. I didn't care. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Let's do this. We can, we can be part of the world. To me, I don't know. That was never an argument against anything for me. So I guess, and I, I don't like, necessarily know if it's an argument that I, I would understand. endorse, but it's an argument that I wouldn't say is could be readily dismissed out of hand. So like saying, you know, if you're if you're on your public Facebook page saying I'm married to these three people, say if it was multiple marriages or something Too or whatever. Too bad you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, what, so I'm shown so. as in an open relationship to nobody because you can't list multiple people. Right. So, and you don't want to privilege one person by... Nope. Uh, so that's fair enough. Um, but I guess it's not impossible for me to imagine the position that I should stay in the closet or hide my, my true self, whether it's my sexuality or my... I guess a religion is another example because it could impact my higher ability, my, my social standing with some groups that I'm in or something. One position would be like, well, okay, it's worth it to me to maintain my higher ability and my social standing, so I'm going to stay in the closet or hide these things. And that's and, an, and another position is to say, fine, fuck the people who won't hire me and fuck the people who won't be my friends. Yeah. I'm going to be who I am. To me, that's so, an argument to changing society. That's like every now and then you see these uh, these reports that being transgender is extremely stressful and makes your life worse. And yes, because society is assholes to oh, you. Yeah. And yeah, so people use that as an argument to say that why transgender is bad or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like, look exactly. at how sad they are. It's like, no, they're sad because everyone's a dick to them all right, the time. Right, right. The suicide yeah. rate is much greater. You know why the suicide rate is much greater? Because of assholes like you. Right. So that uh, is not an argument, in my opinion. And I, yeah. I think I think you're right. I guess what I was getting at is that I can sympathize with that position of uh, depending on where you're at circumstantially, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm. So. I'm I am a privileged person by by many meanings of that word, and I can get by with you know letting people see that I have tattoos, and scandal, that, <laughs> or um, being openly polyamorous, and you know being out with with my partners. And you know the weird thing, I don't think my parents know I'm poly. I only see them like once every couple months for like dinner, and we don't talk about sex. Yeah, but it's not about sex. 
no. for me. It's not about sex for me. In fact, all of my close romantic relationships are not sexual. Wait, all of them? No, not all of oh. them are sexual. Gotcha. <laughs> In fact, one of one of them is not and hasn't hasn't been for a while, but to to that point though, being gay isn't about isn't about isn't necessarily exactly. about being sexual either, right? Yeah. But people think it is. So my parents are like, why are you talking about sex? And I'm like, saying that I'm in a relationship with somebody who is not my husband is not talking about sex. It's this is somebody who is important to me and we spend a lot of time together and I love them. And mom and dad, I want you to know that because I want to be... I want to be able to be communicative with you and I want you to know what's going on in my life and how I'm spending all my time. It's not talking about sex. Just like, yeah, if you're if you're homosexual, it's not about sex. Right. You could be homosexual with no genitals, right? Mm-hmm. You, you could have had your genitals blown off in the war, but you're still well, gay. Um, so you can still have sex without genitals. Fine. But I'm gonna link I'm going to put a link to a Scarlet Teen article about different ways to have sex that's, all right I, I, I feel bad for Stephen because he did not mean to step on that landmine i, I, cer- okay, I certainly didn't but unfortunately <laughs> I, I i had I, everyone I knows this that, and understands unfortunately that. i tripped that meter earlier in a right. conversation uh via text message mm-hmm. on, Insta- on via Insta messenger and i so he had online. previous warning well, and, that and i, I forgot, I forgot that this was a thing so <laughs> yeah and no you're absolutely right but i guess it doesn't have to be about sex and you could have it whatever way it would be right and that, that's mm-hmm. what i was getting at Okay, I, shall we continue? Yeah. Fine. Okay. So, but see, the issue here is that people do think it's about sex, and there are a lot of preconceived notions that people associate with being, with having multiple partners. One is promiscuity, which is unfair. You can be promiscuous and be poly. You could be promiscuous. Most people who are promiscuous are monogamous. Monogamous in quotes. But yes, well, most people that are promiscuous are monogamous. I, also, most people are monogamous. I wouldn't necessarily... Right. That, most that, people, right. Most people are monogamous, so that's a, that's fair. But you cannot have sex very often, or, you know, not even being promiscuous, but how often do you have sex? You can have multiple partners and not ever have sex. And there's another association with BDSM in kink. Because as kind of a marginalized community that is involved with sex and sex-adjacent stuff, there is a higher level of adoption of polyamory in that community. But man, do I hate it when people assume that I am into BDSM because I am polyamorous. I guess I can only assume from the very distant outside, they have this one catch-all category for not monogamous relationship. And that, that contains everything from bestiality to bdsm to poly to Mm -hmm. gay whatever it is right so like they they just they assume that if you're one it's just this whole big catch-all category and what if you have an employer and they have a christmas event and you bring a partner Mm -hmm. and it's not the same partner that they knew you to be with from another time and what if they have those preconceptions it's not like you can sit down I mean, it's a special relationship you have with your boss if you can sit down and talk those things out. And thank goodness I had that with my last boss. You were very lucky to have that relationship with your last boss. She's like, she said, what does it mean that you're queer? Does that mean you're a lesbian? And I'm like, no, let's talk about this. Well, what does it mean that you're in multiple relationships? Like, what is this? And we were able to discuss that. And it was awesome. That sounds really cool. That's not often a situation that you're in. So you might just have to continue in a kind of 
awkward situation where your superior, your employer, thinks that you are a sexual deviant and, and assumes all sorts of false things about you, or maybe even doesn't, but still is really looking down on you for that reason. Yeah. I don't know. If they're not firing me, let them think whatever they want to think. I don't give a shit. What about your promotion potential? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have... I. I may be unique in that I do not give a shit about my promotion potential right now. I, I, I'm making more than I expected to make, and I don't... I'm like, whatever. I don't care about this job. Again, what I'm passionate about is not what I get paid for. Again, um, we're but coming, I, we are coming from very privileged positions. Very at this point, I yeah. want to say that anybody who is closeted... Yeah. We totally respect you. Yeah, that, that's, I think, the key with, with really any situation that involves closeting where... You're encouraged if you have the the, the social means to, to come out and you've got a community there to welcome you, but no one should be outing people. No one should be calling somebody coward or whatever, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So. But that said, you should also respect people when they want to be open. Mm. So, so, yeah, I guess that's my steel man position is um, against polyamory is while... You know, it might even be really easy for you to be polyamorous and you might have people where it works out really well, like like my experience has been in the last few years. There might be other reasons that it's hard for you to live like that. I've heard, I think, okay, so I don't know if this is a steel man or not. This is what I thought was an okay argument for a while. Someone, well, I mean, for all five minutes until I thought about it, someone put forth the position that if, if everyone was polyamorous, then all the really attractive, high-status people would get all the mates and no one else would. And not, not just not in the polygamy sense, but in the, uh, the polyamory sense where everyone would want to have sex with the high-status people. And, and I was like, I think you're vastly overestimating how much sex one person can have. <laughs> Because <laughs> maybe they need that one person. Allow me to tell you, it's not that much. <laughs> that obviously not that one person. But if there's a lot of people having lots of sex, then where is the problem? I mean, the the really attractive people in general are already going to be mingling, even if it was a monogamous culture. And there's there's some fuzziness and overlap between levels. But I guess their argument boiled down to that. Okay, well, the people at the very bottom of the level ladder before when there was monogamy everyone was assured a partner someone they could sleep with i'm pretty sure that's not the case uh, yeah i know but, but it was the people that are all the way at the bottom now yet no one at all and it's going to be terrible and anarchy and uh, you know to me it was like first of all i i even hate to like rank people in terms of attractiveness right, to me because that there's feels, so many different aspects yes to that. that feels both and and just unfair it, eh, anyways Here's but that, first of yeah. all every the, the people who are on the lower end are going to mingle with each other they're not going to be mingling with the people all the way at the very top and second of all if you are so low on the scale that you can get no one to sleep with you unless you are literally the last dick on earth that they can get because you're violent, you don't shower, you don't have a job, you're rude and abrasive if you are the worst person ever Maybe you should step up your fucking game. You know? So wow. let, let me let me steal man that position a little bit. So like I'm I'm picturing, say like the bottom twenty five percent of people like just on like attractiveness and otherwise desirability. Yeah. Uh, overall, let's go with overall desirability because like let, I mean let's look at Stephen Hawking. The man is not physically attractive and yet still managed to screw around on his wife. Okay. So, well, he's but, but, an but, incredibly attractive person. Yes. There's lots of other ways to attract someone than just physical. Attraction. Right. Well, so that's what I'm saying. That there's some there's some demographic of people that happen to hit the center of all the Venn diagrams of desirability. Yeah. And just score low points in all of them, right? Sure. And so those people might be able to find mates of similar 
uh, people in the sex in the demographic that they're interested in, male or female, right? Mm-hmm. Unless those people can date somebody a level above them, right? And then that's just going to be that's going to leave some. So I can kind of see where that might be a bit of a problem for some people. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not I'm not can certainly I endorsing. Respond to that anecdotally. Yeah, mm-hmm. please. So the. <laughs> This is going to sound weird. Anybody who I'm dating, just don't take this personally. (laughs) I feel like being able to have multiple partners. And first of all, the four partners I have, it's just like way too much of a a time commitment and there's difficulty there. So you're limited by the amount of of time and energy that you have to dedicate to people who you really, really, really want to spend lots of time with all of them. Yeah. Uh, We need to spend more time doing group activities like going on hikes. Anyway, it frees you up to date people that you wouldn't normally date, I think. Mm-hmm. And so people who might be a little bit more of a gamble. Oh, because you're not, you're not investing, like, say, three months of your entire relationship life with you're not, somebody. You're not yeah. shutting yourself off from other... There's not the loss of shutting yourself off from other things and completely pursuing... Sorry. No, that's a really good point. other relationships. Yeah. Completely pursuing that one relationship... I mean, there's certainly there's certainly costs associated, but it's a little bit lower cost to give somebody a chance. It's a lot lower cost. It's a lo- mm. yeah. It's a well, but <laughs> well, because because for for a monogamous person to take a chance on somebody is going to say, okay, for as long as we're together, I'm not looking at other people, and people other people aren't looking at me, and we're going to just try each other. And if this goes a year and it doesn't work out and it sucks, then I basically wasted that year romantically, right? Um, of you know, trying things out. Yeah. Sure. But, but to be able to run that parallel with other successful relationships sounds like a much uh, smaller risk. I feel that way, and um, I've definitely been with people and in, that turned out to be really fantastic relationships that I am really happy that I went into, where if, if it was just that person and I was going to be dedicating uh, my time to that, I, one, wouldn't have stuck around for as long as it took to to realize that it was a really fantastic relationship and that I really loved having it long term and wouldn't have even started it to begin with because I would be looking for somebody who was higher in the initial attractiveness scale to me. Right. That's that's a I think that's an interesting point and something to consider uh, as a very strong counter argument to what the what the person anecdotal. Or what the Still said. anecdotal. I don't know if that's how other people feel. But it's how I feel, and even when I wasn't poly, I was, you know, kind of like, this person's interesting and weird, and I don't know if I'm going to like them, but I really want to get to know them, and I'm, I'm much less that way now, but it's lower cost, definitely, right. to do that. Well, and I mean, anecdotally, sure, but what's that quote that anecdotes aren't data, but they do disprove <laughs> universals? I yeah. mean, so, you know, to the extent that you can take the anecdote for what it's at face value. Yeah. Um, but assuming all that you said is true, that disproves the universal supposition that this, uh, that Inyash is. And there are definitely made, so. people who, people who I would have left. Um, I would have felt like I had to leave them, but I wasn't limited. I, I don't, no, this I, wording is awful. No, I, your wording is perfect. I, I wasn't exactly limited to being just with them through the tough times. So I, I had the, the poly luxury of weathering that and changing our relationship and either having a different relationship or going back to the way it was before, you know, something like that, but some disturbances that 
would have shook me to the point that I would have ended it um, otherwise. Is this a bad analogy for a mono person considering this from the outside? That it would be like saying you can only have one great friend? You know what I mean? That's what I feel about it. That is absolutely how I feel about people who are monogamous and are just like, what? How could you possibly be emotionally invested in more than one person at a time? Like, really? You don't have multiple friends? No, I don't have multiple friends. Well, I, I only have one best friend and we're best friends forever and there's only room in my heart for my one best friend. And I, and I also meant it like, you know, some some really good friends that you may have aren't worth keeping around, you know, during their worst time or something. I guess not necessarily like because you're going to ditch them when shit's going bad for them, but because it's stressing you out too much uh, to be the only person that they can go to for their stuff because, you know, they only have one friend too. Or you had so, a big fight. Or, yeah. you know, and, and you can kind of circle around and be like, hey, years later, I'm really sorry I said that to you. You know, we never talked about it, but... And then be friends again. Yeah. I know that's happened to me. <laughs> All right, so I have a couple of other counter-arguments. Okay. Uh, and I, I, do you want them in order, in any, in any particular order, from, like, <laughs> shittiest to, po- to best possible counter-arguments, or shortest, or whatever? All How right, are so you supposed to do it in traditional essay form? I have no idea. Lead, Give us one. Lead right. with an almost strongest, do a couple shitty in between, and then end with the absolute strongest. <laughs> okay. Um, sorting that for my own preferences, I've got it. <laughs> okay. So, so one counter-argument. So this could kind of go, this might touch back on what we talked about with rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether it makes sense, or whether it's appropriate at all to establish rules for poly relationships. One rule that I should have thought of instead of the the financial obligation of having a house should be the assurance that you will use protection with your other partners Mm -hmm. because I don't know where they've been. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm currently STD free. I know that you're currently STD free. Let's try and keep it that way so I don't get STDs. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to go out and have sex with people, then who knows what I could catch? And and reciprocally, who knows what you could catch if I'm not having sex with people? So first of all, is that a common rule? Is that an okay rule? That is both very common and okay. It is very common, and it's one that I've had in the past. And now we do things a little bit differently, and I think it works really well. What do you think, or do you not want to talk about it? I can absolutely talk about it. Good, I'm I'm really curious. So the way that we do it now is I discuss things before they happen. And the other thing that we do is I'll get tested often. Mm -hmm. And when somebody has a new partner they get STI information, like they get tested and they get STI information and share it with everybody. So it's not uncommon for people to politely request, hey, when did you get your last STI checkup? Oh, it's very it's common. not okay. only not uncommon, it's something I expect. Yeah. That's, and that's fantastic. That's exactly the level of discourse I would require, frankly, it's if I were to get involved in this. Because, yeah, like, like a lot of mono people think, you know, they're scared of the whole STI situation, but in addition to... Well, we can get into SDIs not being as big a deal as up, they're often made out to be, but... That's a whole other episode. That is a whole other episode. But the incidence of STIs in the polyamorous communities is at the same level as the incidence of STIs in monogamous communities. And that's because partly because monogamous, as always, is in quotes, but uh, because... Socially monogamous. Yes. Polyamorous people are generally very much aware of the this exactly thing you brought up. They use protection much more frequently than... Uh, than monogamous people do. They get tested very frequently compared to monogamous people. And they talk about it. They talk about it, yes. It's not so stigmatized. And they generally tend to expect protection and have it on hand. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're monogamous, sometimes you're drinking, you're upset at your partner or something, stuff just happens to happen. You guys don't have a condom on hand. Oops, oh well, whatever. Well, 
I mean, ultimately, it doesn't even have to be a cheating situation. It could just be you're not in a relationship right now, but you're a monogamous person. There we go. Or, so, or serial monogamy. Right. Yeah. That yeah. said, um, referring to cheating, there actually have been, there is at least one study that I can think of that I'm happy to link um, because I do it every once in a while because people bring this up. Cheat, she says. Is, uh, <laughs> is there's a study um, cheaters, monogamous cheaters have higher rates of STIs and also use less protection than polyamorous people that's really interesting and I yeah I, I mean link it just for so we can back Happily. it up but I, but I take your word for it uh, it is interesting to me though I guess it, so it strikes me that the that a polyamorous person would be at higher risk for any STDs or STIs however people like to use it but they're more careful, so they just they get less. They get them less. It is high risk, and um, so I looked at my health records at my clinic, and under problems, they had listed high risk sexual behavior. I was like, you know, okay. I mean, and and they are get really aggressive about it too. Okay. When I'm like, yes, I'm with multiple sexual partners, which is true. Mm -hmm. Um. They'll be like, you need to do, you know, this and this and this, and you need to consider being. I was in one situation where a woman told, a nurse told me that my partners were probably lying to me. About I, them being... Uh, about STI status, about who they were sleeping with. And I'm like, we are in a consensual, non-monogamous relationship. We talk about this. I have a file on my computer where I keep STI records. Oh. And I, whenever I get information from a partner, I share it with everybody else. And I have that so that I can back up what I'm saying if somebody chooses to, if they're like, oh, I'd really like to see that. That nurse must not have a very good relationship. That's sort of what I'm picturing is that she's imagining. That I mean, everyone so, is like her. Or, or like that everyone is like everyone she's imagining, right? Okay. So like, I mean, it's. I, it could be that she's, she's just projecting from herself and she's picturing, well, if I was sleeping with a bunch of people or if my husband was, there's no way I, you know, or something like that. But it could just be more general. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm trying to charitably think it could be from a position of medical concern, but it sounds like it totally wasn't. So She uh, also told me to put yogurt in my vagina. <laughs> okay, so she had a good nurse period. Uh, so that's, okay, so... You never went back to her, right? No. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> another example is like somebody who drives a lot is probably at more risk of dying in a car accident. Yes. But you can take steps to mitigate that by being a super careful driver. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably be in less car accidents than than other people. I think that so people I think it who can are be like that, right? in open relationships are aware that there's a risk. And there is. There absolutely is. There always is. Mm -hmm. If you're sleeping with other people. But I guess that, that part of it's talking about your talking to your partners, figuring out what level of sexual intimacy you are comfortable with, given the knowledge that you have from other people. You can choose to use barriers. You can choose abstinence with a partner, maybe for a certain amount of time. And part of the trick to that is not feeling like you're being punished or acting like you're punishing someone else by choosing a different level of Sex, sexual involvement with them because we're all responsible for ourselves and our own health and as long as we're informed and we can make choices and we can have these discussions it's it's okay to make those choices i think that those are fairly sound rebuttals uh it makes sense to me that as long as everyone's playing the game appropriately which is open discussion honesty and what i'm assuming is 
like we talked about earlier, the the small social circle of that person's got a history. Well, if that if you ask that person, hey, you know, what's your STI status? They're like, oh, I'm clean. But the word around the water cooler is that they're riddled with STIs. Well, that's gonna okay that's gonna to diminish their, well, their, their okay the term clean about... is kind of yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Did I say clean? You yes. did. Yeah. It's okay. It's 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 a common term. It's of... not like you were doing it maliciously, but it's it's a. I meant in the same way that I meant healthy. Like you know, if I if I didn't have uh, yeah, but you can still be healthy disease. and asymptomatic and have an STI, right? But that like, you could potentially spread to somebody who would not be healthy if they had it. Fair enough. I guess I just appreciate you not reading what malice into right. what I was saying there. I didn't even know I used the word clean. It's something I guess I need to examine. I don't think um, there's malice. A lot of people use it, and um, I try to point that out, like Aniash did right there. So you mentioned this is another what's issue. What's the appropriate term? Really quick. Non-STI. Positive. Positive. Or negative. Perfect. Mm. All right. That works. I am negative for XYZ. I am positive for T. I don't know. Just let's, in, let's throw some letters in there. Just in general, the, you know, the clean versus dirty dichotomy, it treats people like objects again. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, want I, to, I only, I only yeah. considered it like I was picturing, you know, okay. somebody with a communicable, like someone with a cold. Mm-hmm. I, I would have used the same word there if someone at work. Yeah, but if someone at work comes in with a cold, you don't call them dirty. Well, I, but you don't I, I, say wouldn't, I wouldn't have said dirty clean. if I finished that sentence. You don't, they don't yeah. call themselves clean. That's a thing that is specifically an clean. STI thing that's so that weird. people say. That, it's it's that, a common slang but, term. But it, but it passed yeah. through mind and, and speech without oh, even registering. I've done it. a lot too. Good, good catch. That's awesome. Yeah, it's okay. It's very common. So this is actually a place to come back to one of the problems with rules. So whereas I listen to my partners or their partners, or if you want to go really crazy, their partners, their partners, um, STI status, I want to do that in a non-judging way. Mm -hmm. And I want to make decisions without it feeling like I'm punishing anybody for my own safety or for the safety of my other partners or just general concern about public health. But when there's a rule that you have to use protection with partners and you break it, there's an incentive not to tell. Whereas if there isn't a rule, but somebody's like, I really prefer that you let me know if you're going to move to using, not using protection with somebody or if you have. This is a concern that I have because of STI transmission or whatever. Um, I'm with somebody who's immunocompromised. I don't know. Or, you know, you don't have to be, of course, to be concerned about that. Um, Anyone can say no for any reason. Yeah, anyone can say no for any reason. And they, uh, you know, accidentally maybe don't use a condom. They get really caught up in the moment. Every now and then condoms break. Well, condoms break. That's easy to tell your partner if it's a rule. Ah, the condom broke. Which is probably the lie that people go to if they do have a rule, okay. is the condom broke or it slipped or, or something, uh, something like that happened, not, I just didn't use one right then. It's com- free communication and honesty are so much more important than being afraid to tell somebody because you've broken a rule, because the stigma around rule breaking, that's another reason why I choose not to go with quotes and quote rules i honestly the emphasis on open communication you know uh, non-judgmental discourse and just polite approach to touchy issues 
is super attractive to me. That's awesome. I, I, I think that that's a good aspect of any great relationship. And if the poly community does that better than average, then kudos to them. That's awesome. There have been uh, some articles like in Psychology Today and various other popular publications. And I don't want to say that it's true, but they're selling it as polyamory has something to teach everybody. Has yeah. something to teach monogamous people about how to have relationships. And I think it's just it becomes really more obvious when you're in polyamorous, when you're in multiple relationships, the need, the absolute need for things like open communication and honesty. That makes sense. Especially like when it stops being a sort of, not necessarily option, but when it net, when it becomes necessary for, for things to work, it's like, well, we need to be honest or this just simply can't happen. Not like it'll happen, but worse. It's just like, it can't. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So Let's see, compl- or counter-argument two um, <laughs> was, it's almost a, a walking straw man, except uh-huh. in this case it's a straw woman, and, okay. it's, and the straw woman is her argument. This came to light, I was listening to Star Talk Radio with Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's, it's a lot of fun, check, check it out. This was an older one, and it was a, a Valentine's Day special, and they were doing, they are talking about love, mm-hmm. and the guest was Dr. Helen Fisher, a, well, she's a biological anthropologist specializing in love, reproduction, and relationships and stuff. And it was it was all about all kinds of things, but the one thing that I wrote down, and this was three months ago that I wrote this down because I knew we were going to have this conversation at some point, so I remembered <laughs> it, um, was that some, he asked her at some point, one small sound bite, maybe it was from Twitter or something, but he asked her her opinion on poly relationships. You know, she she's the expert. And uh, she came right out and said, basically, humans aren't programmed to, to do that. We get too jealous. We're just not... We're not designed for poly relationships. See, I so, think the exact opposite. Well, that humans are not designed for monogamous relationships. And trying to force people like, into them is damaging. It let, let sounds me, let me like she's the... not designed for that. Yeah. Right. It's it's really easy for people to, you know, fall into the typical mind fallacy. But she is provably wrong. And that, well, and so, for, so what she for would a long say, time, when like, I said, I don't think people can be monogamous that's not true for a long time I thought that I've come to grips with the fact that there are people who are just naturally monogamous and that is the Mm -hmm. way life works for them but there are people who are entirely naturally polyamorous and she's yeah she's just actually wrong it's like if someone were to claim a hippo had six legs I will, I will, I will caveat this by saying I agree with you that I think that she is factually wrong but to go on with quotes from her she, she would say they're just lying to themselves or to each other or to us. We could know, say that makers. about her too. Exactly. So that's that's so. I, if you're going to start questioning the the honesty of your respondents, then there's no point in doing the survey. If, mm-hmm. if you're just going to argue away any results you don't like. So when I went to go Google and find this source, all I could find was a Dan Savage article trashing her her being quoted <laughs> in a source saying something similar to this. But it was something along the lines of. Dr. Fisher said that couples in open marriages establish all kinds of rules for what is and isn't allowed. So, A, she's talking about open marriages, not necessarily poly, polyamorous relationships. I'm so, in an open marriage. Right. But I'm so, in a specific kind. Exactly. And she's also assuming that they all establish all kinds of rules for what is and isn't allowed, which we already kind of covered. Um, so, sorry, Dr. Fisher. You're probably smart in lots of stuff, but you got this wrong. Has she never but met then, a monogamous marriage where they had any rules? Right. They, they may say that you can't have dates on Friday nights or you can't have someone call at the dinner hour or when the children are around or something like that. Um, she also said, there are people who want it all to preserve their deep attachment to one partner and have romance with others. I mean, and, yes, there are people true. like that. But I... and 
Yeah, and but they, they can't have their cake and also eat that cake. <laughs> and, and, that's what, and that's what she's saying is that we're we're, pro, we're we're not programmed to be able to have our cake and eat it too. So uh, I, mean, I, I want to bring that up because that was the one thing that I I thought about. That was the first expert source I'd heard talk about this, and I was like, well, that can't necessarily be the case just based off of what I've seen. The the most recent book that I know of is Sex at Dawn, but it's by no means the only book. Some other anthropologists arguing that the exact opposite is the case. That humans were actually designed, not designed, the ancestral environment was one of uh, polyamorous relationships and therefore a lot of human psychology and even our physical traits, like the way the penis is shaped, is um, to adapt to a polyamorous culture. I heard that there are really good criticisms to that. I have also. And um, that one of them is called Sex at Dusk. I'll find that. I actually haven't read either, but I know that the penis shape is weak. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> she just dissed all our penises, dude. No. <laughs> no, I, I know. I know what you were actually saying. We knew. I just I couldn't mess it up. First of all, what an awesome name for a counter book. And uh, <laughs> second, just I think... playing off of the original one. Right. But I think I think it seems kind of like, unless it's your job, I guess, to just talk about these things, then Dr. Fisher needs to develop an opinion on this. And that's what she came to, but she should update and whatever with better evidence. It but other than that, like it seems an like an opinion it's... that she... It seems like what my mom said. Right. Which was, after I made my dad promise not to lecture me, my mom did it instead. And um, she sat me down and said, it is impossible for humans to do this. There will always be jealousy. Anybody who you date, if they truly care about you, they'll try to take you away from your other partners. Wow. Um, wow. This is simply how humans work. And so, full stop. Mm -hmm. There are no, you can't do this successfully. But that sounds like exactly like something you could say to a monogamous person, right? Yes. There's always going to be jealousy. They're going to try and take you away from your, your female friends or your male friends or whatever, right? And so it, it's, it's, it's kind of like they're just rehashing arguments they already believe but without worrying about where they're applying them. These people also, I, they, they, when they say monogamy is natural, I have to question why the hell they have all these rules about monogamy then. Because we don't have to pass any laws or, or discourage people from sticking their hands in fires, you know? It's just something you don't want to do. When you have to put this much social pressure on a society to get people to stay monogamous, it's kind of an indication that maybe it's not something that comes natural to a lot of people, if you have to enforce it with this kind of punishment. In some cases, or I guess in, in antiquated cases, legal punishment, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, if it was just the way things were, you wouldn't have to have God tell you in the Bible or have, have the, the judges tell you in the courtroom that you can't have sex with other people. Right. And it still still is. It depends on where you live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know necessarily executed for every year for stepping outside of marriage. It's known or right? as so, adultery. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not something that you're jailed for or... Not here. Right. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. In first... <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, was, I was working in my pretty little bubble of, of we, the we first We were talking world. specifically about honor killings and such. Oh, yeah, yeah. that should... That's a problem. Yeah. And uh, Honor killings are generally done extrajudicially, but there are... Not not always done extrajudicially. That is a hard word to say. Oh, mm -hmm. sure extra it is. Extrajudiciously. <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, there's also a lot of times it's they look the other way, which kind of, even though it is not technically legal, kind of makes it de facto legal if it is not enforced. Oh, yeah. I know. do want to mention something else. So for when arguments come up like that, like, it can't work. It can't work long time. It can't work with children. Um, Isn't I'm that gonna... what all the gay people were told for decades? Yeah. I'm going to actually also share a link to some academic articles by Elizabeth Sheff. 
who has nicely spent time studying all sorts of non-traditional relationships, uh, including polyamory, and has a couple books out on the subject. Cool. And I liked that, that noticing that that's the exact same thing that people were told about gay people for decades or presumably centuries. I don't know. And what do they um, do about all the relationships that are polyamorous and do work? They pretend that they don't. Oh, they, they, well, okay. They, you know what I mean? That they're like, secretly unha- unhappy? That's exactly it. Ah, and that, that, right. That's how you would, I think, justify it, right? They're people, just embarrassed to tell people. People are currently taking parental custody away from people based on the fact that they're polyamorous or have other yeah. alternative there's, lifestyles. There's a fucking neighborhood of assholes in... God, I don't remember what state it is now, but uh, it was going around about a year ago. There's this uh, family bought a house together. They're, I think they were... Oh, yeah. yeah, you remember this, the so, eight adults. Yeah, 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 yeah. They weren't They weren't even poly. They were just... Well, um, some of them were. Oh, okay. Okay. But the, the truth was that they were cohabiting, and there were multiple, more than two adults, and there were... And their kids. Yeah. And... There was a rule in that neighborhood that these houses are single-family houses and only one family can live in a house. And their assertion that they are a family um, was not good enough. Yeah. So... There's no fighting the HOA. <laughs> <laughs> so that that sounds more like just being drawing a short stick on the HOA than necessarily... But I, I see where it's coming I, from. I know it so. went to court. I don't know how it ended. Last I heard of it, it was still in process. I don't know if... I don't know. I remember the neighbors were saying, they're lovely, we have nothing against them specifically, but what about the precedent? (laughs) (laughs) If dogs and cats will be lying together if we let this go on. Slippery slope. Yeah. All sorts of multi, like, all sorts of people who are more than two adults and children will be moving into houses in this neighborhood. Disgusting. (laughs) Do you have further objections? These aren't really my objections. I'm just trying to think of stuff. So, uh... The last one, and on the strongest one. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so I went, I went strong, weak, stronger. That's how I'm doing this. Yeah. Okay. Strongest one. That's the way to do it. This is the knockdown argument. Yeah. This sounds like a lot of fucking work. Okay, this well, that one's, that one's actually not a bad argument at all. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that you do if you have extra time. It's one of the reasons I don't have very many other relationships, because I got a lot of shit I try to do anyway, and that's not entirely fair. I do like having other relationships, and it is worth the time. Well, I think it depends but, on the dynamic for it, too. Like, I know somebody, the person I'm thinking of that made me think of this when she was describing how much she put into this, yeah. was like, no, Monday is, is guy A day, Tuesday's mm-hmm. guy B, Wednesday's guy C, no, Thursday, every Thursday's guy I've, D. I've known at least one person who, okay, so you, everyone has that friend in college. Okay, God, I'm going to date myself here. Everyone had that friend in college who discovered EverQuest while they were in college and then basically flunked their next semester. Mm-hmm. And, you know, substitute World of Warcraft for EverQuest or whatever MMO is going to be popular when people listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I've known at least one person who, when they became poly basically their school just kind of stopped for a bit and all their grades tank and it's like because yeah it, it can it can be like anything else that's new and exciting taking a take over your life and that's true of any relationship that takes you away even if you're in a monogamous relationship or it you is. can have a new relationship that you're like i don't have friends i don't have work i'm just going to quit my job and follow my boyfriend all around the world i, I wasn't necessarily talking about the person who's just predisposed to turn it up to 11, right? right so right. that could happen in the monogamous relationship. But if you're putting in the effort that you're putting into a monogamous relationship into three relationships, then it's going to have three times the impact on your life. Yeah. And so my thinking is that I, I, I don't even like, 
I couldn't imagine coordinating just with friends to meet with four people a week. That's that actually, exhausting as hell. That's actually a fairy, co- a fairy, a fairly common saying in the um, poly community that love is infinite, but time is not. Yeah, it's true, and um, it also depends on one the type of person you are to mm-hmm. the type of person people you're dating. Yeah, some people don't need as much time as others. Yeah, some people uh, you can see them once a year because they're long distance and maybe chat with them for Skype on Skype for an hour once a month and the spark's still alive. I happen to be the type of person who if I'm in a relationship with someone, I want to see them a lot. And if I don't get to see them for a week, it, it's hard for me. But is it a rule that you see them every week? It's not a rule, of course not. Is it is it an, an implied <laughs> situation where you see them once a week? I actually often don't see some of my partners once a week, especially now that I have four. Gotcha. So you're not the you're not like the person I'm thinking of, where it literally is, unless I think extenuating heavy extenuating circumstance. Thursday is this guy day. It you know? used so to like, be. Sounds... I used to be that person. Um, as I mentioned, I am updating how I feel about relationships and letting them be more flexible and have different pieces and parts to them. But yeah, I used to be that person where I was like, I can have no more than two relationships. I'm going to dedicate this much time to one and this much time to the other. And this was actually really appropriate because I always wanted more time from any one person that they wanted, you know, like... Ah, okay, yes. So I was willing to give tons and tons of times for relationships, whereas this, as some other person might be like, I, I can only handle you mm-hmm. because this is a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, I'd never actually thought of it that way, but oftentimes if there's you're in a relationship with a sexual disparity, like one person only wants sex very rarely and the other person wants sex a lot more, one of the common things that some people suggest is open up the relationship. The person who wants more sex can get more sex and you can still have a relationship together. And this this is it never occurred to me, but yes, there are people who want much more time spent on relationships. Mm-hmm. And if they're with partners who don't have that much time to give or don't want to spend that much time, then yeah, that's perfect. Open but, it up and get someone know, else to fulfill that. So some people can do that. I used to be in a place where I was like, no, each relationship I'm in, I have to have this much time with them okay or it's again i I'm, or it's not a real relationship or it's not a real it's not you know it's not really what i what i want in a relationship and each relationship i'm in has to have these characteristics at a basic level and then these other things could be different but you know i have to have this so i there's a lot of different ways to go into it and you can balance and be flexible and you like talk to each other but yeah i used to be really put out if i didn't see somebody uh, like three days at least during a week. Yeah, and that and that makes sense. I think for for some, I just how some people are predisposed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess if it was only two, that sounds flexible. But like if it's three or four or more, that sounds like so. Like I said to me, well, that don't... that is the knock on argument. Just like where I I I don't have the energy to meet with my friends four days a week. I right. just you know I want to sit at home and just be alone. when I'm alone, you know, even even when I was had no relationships. I just wanted to have a roommate in the house, like, mm-hmm. or I was miserable. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I'm not alone. I'm, you know, I've, yeah, you, so I, yeah. I, I cohabitate with my partner. Yeah, exactly. I sometimes need to be alone. Oh, I'm like, and bye. I'll see you, you know, when Monday comes around. Like on Friday, I'm like, I'm leaving for the weekend because, yeah. Or you know, if you are lucky enough to have co-share a home where there is enough space, you can 
be in different rooms. Yeah. Do your own thing, Um, which I often do. And it's just really important to me to have somebody who also lives in the same house. Mm. Um, I have lived alone before and it is kind of just quiet and weird. But I do like that. That's one of the things that my partner and I do so well. I don't know why I'm not naming her, but whatever. Um, (laughs) That, you know, if that there's never been this sort of issue, like you described how you kind of used to be more, the shorthand for that is clingy. You know, like, <laughs> used to be, like we, like you said, like in 2007 or something, right? So where, where it was more about... Maybe, that was before I started being poly or even discovered less wrong. Exactly. No, but, and so, um, and I'm, I'm not hating on it, but I'm saying that that's, that's just, you know, like how you said, I deserve this because, you know, whatever. I've been, but, I've been a... It's only clingy if the other person doesn't want to spend as much time right. with you as you want to spend with them. Exactly. And I've been in that situation as a poly person. And, and, sure. I, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on it if that's what works for people. But I guess what I'm getting at is that there's never been an issue where it's like, hey, so I'm going to spend all night over here playing video games. So you can spend all night in the other room watching TV or playing, or, you know, working on your computer or something. Mm-hmm. And neither of us are going to feel bad about that. Is that cool? Totally. That's so. That, that's always been a cool thing, and I've I've had relationships in the past where it's like, no, you have why, to be paying attention to me. Or, we have to or, be doing the thing together. Or like, <laughs> why? Why do you? Why is your alone time so important? It's like, because that's just who I am, and like, if that's not what you get, then whatever. So yeah, I guess that was that was our main thing, and I feel like that's knocked down for some people. That mm-hmm. if it's too time consuming or too energy consuming, then it's just not for you. I happen to be very a very relationship driven person. That's just me. What does that mean? It means that that's what I want to be spending my time on, is having deep, intimate relationships with people and connecting, connecting on that level. And I want to be spending time doing that. I'm, I'm kind of in this weird position where, like, I enjoy having those connections, making friends and forging deep mm-hmm. connections. And yet I wish it didn't take that much time. Hmm. So, like, it's, it's kind of, I, it's hard for me to put my finger on, but I've made a lot of friends over the last couple of years and I, I enjoy being friends with all of them and I wish that like it would be possible to be more be closer friends that didn't like take a lot of effort and time but I guess it's just part of how it is yeah so I guess the good news for people who are concerned about time is yeah you can get in over your head I often feel like that these days I didn't feel like that as much when it was three partners but you know then they had a bunch then all of a sudden they have a bunch of partners who also need scheduling and then it's the rush to Google sharing our Google calendars so that we can oh figure out things two or three weeks ahead. of. That sounds just awful. That's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> but, <laughs> like coordinating my schedule with other with a bunch of other people who are coordinating their schedules with a bunch of other people. Right. Like but when, it's hard enough for me to set up. It was it was a nightmare for me to set up to go see Batman versus Superman a few weeks ago uh-huh. to coordinate it with like five other people, right. and we're going to do it it's one hard. day at like you know Sunday at two or something. Mm-hmm. Like that was annoying, and I'm like I'm never doing this again. I'm going to go to see it with me and one other person but next you know, time. Was, you can do you what know, I do and just easy. not see very many other people. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, and it was it was a lot easier before my partners got several other partners. Right. Um, it was super easy because they had only, you know, maybe one other person that... And, and I think that's Melissa's biggest fear, actually. Three other things that they would be doing. That my, all my time is going to be taken up by other people. I think that's a somewhat fair concern if, no, if she's concerned with being the primary you know person. How I, mm-hmm. You know how I approach that one? Hmm. Um, again, I feel overwhelmed now, and I do feel like I'm a little bit in over my head, so... This is time. Time management is something you need to think about. And it doesn't mean that you can't be poly, but it means that maybe select your partners, stop before you're overwhelmed. Yeah. Things things change and you have to be kind of flexible with that. What was I saying again? Oh, oh, how I how I address the time thing. Oh yeah. Okay. How I used to address it is the amount of time that 
my partner spends with somebody else should not be my concern. What should be my concern is, am I getting what I want out of our relationship? So this actually, I guess I, I can think of a few more things to, to inquire about that maybe it's just me or maybe some of our mono audience is thinking about too, right? So we, we mentioned very early on, and I'm glad I remembered before, before it completely slipped out of mind, was I implied earlier that I got everything I need out, needed out of my one monogamous relationship. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we that, took issue that, with that. And, and them, thems were some fighting words in, in this <laughs> audience. So... I'm happy to talk about that. So, 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 yeah, so I guess so that's that's where I'm at. It's like I don't mean it like as a challenge, but in what way? If any one person satisfied everything you needed, why didn't you need three people or four? So I have a partner who says that that if one person, he has often said that if he could fill all of his relationship needs with one person, then he wouldn't date multiple people. And he has in the past talked about looking for people based on certain characteristics saying, oh, I'm fulfilled by combination you and my other partner right now, but there's this one thing that I don't get from either of you. And if I find that person, then that's the person I'm going to be dating next and additionally. So like, I mean, that, that doesn't sound that outlandish, right? So like if I got everything I needed from... It's offensive for one. Well, but like say, <laughs> say, if, say if I got everything I needed out of my relationship... But with your was, one best friend. Right, or my one or my one partner. But I was really into martial arts and they weren't, and then I met someone who was, well hey, new friend, right? Right. So like that that's You sounds... can have your martial arts friends. You can have your um, in this partner's case, BDSM friends and partners who aren't into the same kind of thing in that, or partners who you can go dancing with versus partners who aren't as into going dancing. Um, I think that there's a huge danger in looking for people by, like, to date by characteristics. I think that what you should probably be looking for are people who are compatible with you, who you have fun with, and who you have great communication with. And, you know, there's there's so many things that are more important you in a relationship for, than do they do karate. You look for friends for characteristics, but not for romantic partners. For characteristics, yeah. Is that a you fair know, way to put it? the funny thing is, the fr <laughs> I, mean, I I became friends with one of my partners, a person who later became my partner, because I was looking for somebody with the characteristic of would go to metal concerts with me. So I was like, hey, a friend who go to metal concerts with me, so I'm not alone when I'm at metal concerts. This guy's really into metal concerts, um, and he seems nice. And then I got to know him and decided that not only is he into metal concerts, he's actually incredibly considerate, kind, sweet, sensitive person who just goes out of his way for other people and, and is just um, a fantastic human being. And that's why I dated him. That's awesome. And, yeah. and we're, still, we're still in a relationship and I'm still so grateful that he's in my life. I think I think that's how all like many good relationships start. Like they don't just start in a vacuum, right? Yeah. You, know, you find you, you share proximity or an interest. But I'm, I feel like you don't look to date somebody to fill a specific hole. No. And, and I've made that mistake before. I told you guys that I was looking for somebody specific, and then yeah. that just I was like, that was stupid. I should never have done that. Um, well, that, that, that also pigeonhole that that partner 
into that one facet of mm-hmm. your life. But and that would be like, okay. Like what happens if they don't fulfill that for me anymore? Or it, sorry, it, if they you want... don't fit into my pigeonhole anymore. You no longer get to be a partner. Yeah. So like that kind of works, you know, like if you have a friend that you go to sporting events with or something mm-hmm. and like all you guys do is just we go see the sports games when they're in town or something. But you don't see each other outside of that, but you, and, and they're both okay yeah. with that. So like, um, also, I mean, you you keep you said that like, what if you can get everything you need from one person? People are infinitely diverse mm-hmm. and infinitely interesting, and or at least part- very diverse and very interesting. Yeah, okay, yeah, I guess infinite is an overstatement. But let's not go crazy. Here. Yeah, because of that, being able to have a relationship with more than one person is like part of what I need in a relationship. And it, yeah, and people aren't like plug and play they're complex beings mm-hmm. and when you have even a friendship but definitely an intimate emotional relationship and connection with somebody you're with that whole person i agree i one way to and yes i like i love to explore connections with multiple people oh, like that's often... a thing that i really like i when i was a young person i found out early that I could be deeply in love with more than one person at a time when I was not open, but, you know, like in a process of breaking up with someone and starting a relationship with someone else. And back then it was tragic and you had to write love triangle stories and things. Back then I was like, I love this person. I don't want to leave them, but I want to have the freedom to have this new experience and get to know this person on this level. It's so much harder to consume romantic fiction once you're, or fiction with romantic elements once you're poly, because at least half of them are about the love triangle. Like, I like this person <laughs> and this person. Now I have to choose, and woe choose. is me. And I'm like, you idiot! There's such a simple solution! You can have both Edward and Jacob! But maybe Good that thing. doesn't work for them because they really do need to be monogamous. <sighs> Good thing the only... Yes, but when every single story is that way, it gets fucking annoying. Good thing the only major piece of fiction I'm currently consuming has the main protagonist with three partners. So, yes. uh, Oh, which one's that? The Wheel of Time. Okay. Huh? Um, it's it's not really about that, uh, but it, it works out to where he loves three women and those three women love him. Cool. Uh, so that said, it's a much bigger series than their romantic thing. It plays a very small part. It's it, There's a much Hey, bigger... I really like when there's representation of non-monogamous people in any kind of media. There is. I just, I wanted to be, to, to not do a disservice to the enormous world building and character building that this, that this story does across 14 books. By by saying that it's primarily about a a, a, a poly couple uh, or poly relationship. Oh, um, I want to give a shout out also. Um, one of my exes wrote a lovely book in which there are lots of poly queer characters, and it's called Ascension. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Neat. Um, so, what if I got everything? I felt like I needed romantically from one person, but all other stuff I need I can get from friends. Or, or like, so I guess... Then be mono. Yeah, yeah, so I guess, but I guess what I'm curious about is... But it's what... not, it's not like a... I mean, I have been in my, in my polyamor- long polyamorous relationship with Tim. There have been years where I have not dated anybody else but him. And when I do have dated other people, it's not because he's not fulfilling for me. It's that I start to be, feel like... I want to I want to get out there and experience people and you know have have new connections and I'm ready to um to do that now. What differentiates but, that from friend hunting? 
it doesn't it's a different have to. Type of, yes, a, a friend relationship and a romantic relationship are just different. I I know, and I, I'm only belaboring but this because I mean know, they, they some, blend. There's blends. Yeah, they're definitely blends. And often um, one leads to the other. But, but when I guess that's another great thing about being poly is that you don't have the same kinds of hard limitations with your friends. Thank you. And you can be friends and like not worry that maybe that hug was too long. Right. And oh god, am I am I cheating on my partner by spending too much time with my friend? It relieves so much stress being able to be poly. You are not constantly policing your emotions and and your actions. That sounds like one avenue. So the the only reason I'm kind of, I'm kind of beating this point is because mm-hmm. this was a long conversation I had at our last our last last wrong meetup. The, this guy's position was more or less that if you subtract the uh, the elements of romance, which he felt was a, a troubling word because it was hard to pin down exactly what it meant. It is. From a relationship, then it encompassed all relationships. I'm curious just to see how... I'm basically trying to find a way to actually resolve that confusion we were having. I think that's... There is there is some confusion, and that's why we're saying that there's a little bit of confusion around how you can act with your friends sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, where is this, what somebody else might see as a romantic connection? Where is this? And you, if you are giving yourself freedom to feel the way you feel and act the way you act, you don't have to worry about that distinction yeah. because it's, it is um, difficult. I was talking to somebody who's definitely monogamous and also much older than I am. I, t- I talked to him about this and he's like, yeah, I guess I have some relationships with a few women that are romantic but not sexual. And I call those women my friends, but we do have very romantic relationships. So, what's, what's an example of what that means? Um, Only because I, I... My relationship... Maybe my relationship with one of my partners is we cuddle and kiss, and um, we do not have sex. Some people would put that that in the sexual relationship category, though, right? Especially like a monogamous couple, you know, who... But what if you're kissing your friends on the cheek or the head if they say something particularly charming? Well, I think... What if if your friend is hurt and you go over and hold them for a while? Yeah. Or, you know... Even, like, certain conversations you have are really rather intimate conversations, which some people would not um, consider appropriate for... They would they would consider it edging on romantic. Okay. I guess I can see that. Maybe you spend a lot... Maybe you travel with your friend and... You there maybe even is some sexual tension that you don't act on, but is that is that too romantic? Is that so? There's a lot of a lot of gray area that it's nice to not have to worry about. I think I'm finally coming to a resolution as to why I was confused talking to this person because okay. I didn't imagine lines were drawn where he thought they were drawn, mm-hmm. and so mm, that's common. Because I I certainly wouldn't see any issue with any of that stuff. Maybe other than like you know, so if my partner kissed somebody. Mm-hmm. And we didn't talk about it beforehand. I would see that sort of as a transgression of of the relationship of your uh, monogamy ex- expectations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not like the kind of thing that we're, I'm axiomatically opposed to. But it'd be weird if the transition happened without a conversation that included mm-hmm. me, right? Yeah. So that that's where I'm at. Yeah, I I totally understand. As a poly person, I don't really like surprises. Mm. Although I can get over it if I if I am faced with a surprise because those happen. But I like it when someone's like, I'm interested in this person. I might want to kiss them at some point. You know, like, I'm like, 
thank you for telling me. Mm. Now I will be prepared if that happens. Right. <laughs> so, and, but it doesn't always, there's not always time for that, right? No, there's not always and time. So, so sometimes uh, you can get a pinch. I mentioned that I do get jealous. Luckily, again, I have got such awesome partners right now that jealousy does not last long. So, but um, it's more of a quick pinch. Okay. And then I'm like, why do I feel that way? Let's talk about it. And now that we've talked about it, I'm not jealous anymore. Some people who are in poly relationships, um, a very close friend of mine who I've always thought as a very, thought of as a very, very successful poly person, he confided to me that he had debilitating jealousy. Part of what really helped him was figuring out why, what are the triggers, and trying to follow that back to what is he really feeling afraid of? Is it, um, is it losing his partner? Is it um, not having the kind of connection that he thought he did? Is it, what so is he really afraid of? And once he was able to address that and then talk about that with his partner, things got exponentially better. So some people really do get jealous. Yes. Okay. See, I, I was going to bring up polyhacking because my, my next question was going to be, if poly is so awesome, why do some people have to polyhack? And Which I had uh, conditioning yourself so that you get over the uh, want need for monogamy and over things like jealousy and making it so you can be poly successfully more naturally. There's, there is some practice involved. There's yeah, some changing I, your mental structures. I always involved. assumed that it was because, I mean, I had to do a little bit, uh, but I always assumed that it was getting over the shits that, that society has drilled into you. Because for me, that. that's, that's all it was. It was, you get this, as a man in society, you will get massive privileges. I, I, I guess that's not something that needs to be said. But it also comes with you have to hold on to your man cred, you know? And if someone else is sleeping with your women, mm. then all of a sudden you you lose all your man cred. And it, people people were judging Tim. Yeah. About that people, um, but there which was, had nothing to do with our relation with no, our feelings about the relationship. But they were convinced that I was taking advantage of him when he didn't have another partner and that it took until he had another partner for them to even be uh -huh. slightly okay with it because otherwise it was me abusing him okay. in some way See, so I, I was resistant at first for a few months i guess but for me all it was was getting over the societal instilled this is the way you must act you know, when you ingrain things into yourself. What about getting but over I've the never, need to be the most important person to see, someone? I've never, this is the thing, I've never had that. I've never felt any sort of jealousy, and I wasn't sure they were actual things. I thought it was all just societal conditioning. No, it's a real thing. Huh. Like, when I see someone I love with someone else having a good time and enjoying themselves, that makes me happy. Yeah, that is like, known as compersion. Yeah, Definition well, alert. Compersion. <laughs> Feeling happiness at somebody else's happiness. Why would I be upset about that? <laughs> I think Dr. Fisher might say something along the lines of, well, men are more inclined to be that, that level of jealous because they don't want to be caught uh, raising someone else's kid or something, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the, 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 mental, the mental image of their primary partner having sex with another male means that they might be wasting their life raising someone else's genetic offspring. Such a waste of your life to raise a kid that you love. Well, no, no, well, hold on. But no, th th that's not what she would say either, right? I, or excuse me, that, she, she wouldn't be endorsing that, that conclusion. She would be saying... It would be that a, that a are, natural selection. That, that she are, would be making a natural exactly. selection argument. I, I, she, my mental model of 
her making up that quote was speaking on behalf of our ancestors' genetic fitness. Right. Not, I mean, that would be like saying there's no point in adopting, right? And there, there certainly is. This I might... just don't want children in general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, luckily that that's 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 one easy answer to that too. <laughs> right. right? Um, and especially if both if it's impossible for both of you to have children, then hey, there's no. Then right, then right. if you have that that inner ape saying. Dude, she's gonna get knocked up. You're gonna be raising someone else's kid. You know, just your your apish hindbrain, not like a real thought. Yeah, yeah. You can just tell it. No, dude, we're both infertile. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, I actually think that's a great thing about Polly is that my relationship with Tim was able to change, and is still flexible and able to change, and we still love each other, adore each other, and are able to be together. I think that that's a healthy part of any good relationship, whether you're having more than one relationship like that or not. I think that being able to, to grow together, whether in different directions or whatever, is super important. I think that's awesome. It is, uh, yeah. I, I guess what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying with that statement is I don't want to give ground and say that poly people are the only people that can do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, but, but, but it very well may be easier. As I, as I mentioned, I feel like I'm building flexibility into relationships by being poly. I, I know you said you dislike a lot of things Dan Savage says, but one of his big things is opening up relationships saves relationships. He does believe that? Yes. Man, well, see, do I ever, do I, I ever not agree with him? That is like the worst way to come to being in an open relationship is if you feel like you need to save a relationship. Usually I, they end yes. if you try. And usually it's not only painful to you and the partner that you're having trouble with, which is why you opened it, it is causes heartbreak for everyone else that either of you dates or is any in any kind of relationship with. I'm not, I'm not sure he was saying open it to save the relationship okay. he was saying that having an open relationship saves relationships okay, that's yeah so that's my yes. I guess that's my warning to anybody is if you're having problems in your relationship yeah, adding other people is a really not good idea it's okay I was going to say it's as bad as having a kid to save the relationship but that's not true it's much better than introducing a new life don't, right. yeah, don't but it's that. a similar sort of mistake you don't do something like that to try to save a relationship. So right. I mentioned that podcast, and I only listened to a few episodes. Honestly, it wasn't just for me, and it was a few years ago. But uh, that sex nerd Sandra from the Nerdist Industries podcast. I'm not sure if it's a thing or not. It was a few years ago, mm-hmm. but that's what that swinger guru said mm-hmm. was that it's not uh, that people talk about uh, opening a relationship to save it. No, and he says that that's not the case. If you think if your relationship's on the rocks, opening it like this is going to just shatter it. If so you're already insecure, not? if why you're already not? jealous, yeah. it's just going to it's just going to break. Build that in before you even start. Right. Build it in. Build in that flexibility. Build in trust with each other. Or if you already have, like, trust and you are at a position where you can open it up, that's a good time to open it up. Sure, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You come... I I think that that kind of naturally makes it so that people tend to come from a place of couple privilege. If you're already in a relationship and then you decide to open it, uh, I prefer to enter relationships already non-monogamous, and single people can be non-monogamous too, even if they're not dating anybody else. And when I wasn't dating anybody but Tim, um, we were still poly. So, and yeah. I think that, that that there's something certainly to be unpacked there. Uh, it sort of ties into, um, well, I've got a few more things, but I guess one one thing that I wanted to do was. First of all, are you guys ready to getting ready? I, it's it's a, almost three hours. I'm ready it's to true. leave. We'll have to figure yeah. out how to parse this in a minute. But I do have one last thing I wanted to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So one one thing 
one thing I wanted to ask, so you guys have different stances. So you're both poly mm-hmm. and under the umbrella term of consensual non-monogamy. Yes. Yet you're different flavors of it. Which one's better? Ha! Um, oh! You know, wow. I, I have been talking about why I think that my way is better the entire time. Yeah. So I don't feel like I have to get into this at the end. I think it's really common for people who are involved in poly relationships to think that their way is better and um, be, be really ready to say why that is. But all I can say, actually, in reality, is my way is better for me. And I have lived my life and I have learned hard truths and I have made a lot of mistakes. And I know I have a lot more learning and growing and changing to do. And so I, I can only speak from my experience about what's good for me. I All right, that's a pretty soft point. Inyashi, your go. <laughs> <laughs> I would never answer that question if it was asked of me because it's a bullshit question. Fair it's enough. like asking what way is thinking is better? Is is it better to be conservative or liberal? Is it better to be, you know, more Asperger's or more extremely extroverted? It's Or is it or is it better to be closed-minded theist or rationalist? Well, that's an easy answer. Right. So so that's that's different I think there's different ways of of thinking. And the whole what is the is it Myers-Briggs, the one that is kind of eh, iffy, but yeah. it's a way oh, that people yeah, yeah uh, often sort themselves? Th- there's no one way that's better than another. When you, the int J, I guess, is the really popular one among our, our sort of crowd. That's not to say that it's better or worse than any other way of thinking. It's just a different way of doing it. Well, that's it. sort of the problem with the Myers-Briggs and one of the major criticisms. Is that it's, it's more it's like a lot like a horoscope, right? yeah, where yeah. they all say great things about you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, all right, so maybe to put it a different way that's less like all right, fight. Um, I've given so- I've given my reasons why rules why I ended up giving up rules. I've given my reasons. I I actually haven't given my reasons about hierarchy. Okay, but you it's should. actually very similar to rules mm-hmm. in which it um, doesn't necessarily allow the the non couple person to have a say in their own relationship the way that the others do. And gosh, that works really well for a lot of people. And there are people who they want to have a satellite relationship or all satellite relationships or, you know, or all secondary, I guess, is another way that people refer to that. All secondary relationships. They don't even, I'm my own primary partner. People have different ways of looking at different things that they want. And if you can find people who want the same thing that you want, more power to you. It's all about being consenting, well-informed people. I guess the way, the reason I would caution that approach is be ready for change because people's feelings change. Yeah. And uh, we didn't mention this, but when I asked him, why does Eliezer, why, wh- why is that a rationality thing? Why is this a polyamory rationality thing? His answer was, if you think that you're going to be living for a very long time, or if you think there's a good possibility that you will be, then maybe you want to be with one person for your entire current lifespan, but how do you feel about being with one person if your lifespan is many times more than that? Right. And that's that's actually part of my argument against marriage in general, the way it's traditionally envisioned, but we can save that for the marriage episode. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, that people grow <laughs> and people change and people don't always grow in exactly the same way and given enough time, they're going to be different enough people that 
others will fit them better. Yeah, I'm not the same person I was when I was 22 and I was starting out poly at all. I had a philosophy professor say the exact same thing you just said, Inyash. Therefore, it's right. Well, no, but it was interesting because he was engaged to get married at the time. Yeah. And so I'd ask him, I was like, but you're going to marry her. You know, so what what does that say about your professed belief that you guys might change to different people? Mm -hmm. He's like, it means that we're going to get married and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think if I'm paraphrasing correctly, maybe he didn't have a satisfactory answer, but it was... uh, that, that's that's what it is, right? And as far as the, the immortality or the functional immortality aspect of it, I think that's another thing to consider, too, that it's one thing to commit to somebody for 60 years, another thing to commit to somebody for 6 billion years yeah. and say, you know... <laughs> that is a really long time. Right. Yeah. But you could be a standard human and do um, sequential monogamy yeah. and be married for x number of years until you don't want to be married anymore and then marry another person for x number of years and that's also okay well that that, that would be more like what uh what was the word you used for non-enforced uh, monogamy oh de facto monogamy yeah that'd be it's more also, de facto monogamous position um kimchi there's a cartoon kimchi cuddles about polyamory which i will also link where they refer to that as ethical monogamy <laughs> nice <laughs> sure and but I'm, I'm thinking like my great-grandparents i think they've been married for 60 or 70 years yeah. before they died. And I, I think they were happy in their marriage. My, I, and they, my they seemed... in-laws, um, Tim's parents are monogamous and a model couple and so, so happy and old. So right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you guys ever hear this. I'm sorry I called you old. But, <laughs> but, so but I'm never going to hear this. <laughs> so, so if someone comes to the comments and says, okay, so this poly stuff sounds really interesting. I'd never taken it seriously before. I don't know where to start. Oh my, well, I am happy to link more than two. I'll link Kimchi Cuddles. I'll link Elizabeth Chef's articles. Um, more than two especially is a practical guide to ethical non-monogamy. So that'll actually help you figure out how to maneuver a relationship. But I also saw that it, it spoke more to your flavor than it did to Enosh's because it, it talked against rules and it talked against hierarchies. It gives it tells you what to do if you are going to be involved in an ethical hierarchical situation. Yeah. More it than two is kind of the go to text right now. It, it used to be the ethical yeah. slot, but more than two has taken over recently. Uh-huh. Gotcha. For example, there's something that is honestly the relationship bill of rights and it's changed to reflect that, but I think they originally had it set up as the secondaries bill of rights if you're going to be in an ethical relationship, what to look out for, red flags who you should be dating. I think I might also link something called Date Your Species, and that is great advice for somebody starting out. Because Katrina has been talking so much, um, (laughs) (laughs) some of the the advantages of having the uh, more traditional couple that is open, as opposed to the relationship anarchy she does, it does tend to be a bit more predictable and doesn't necessarily take as much time out of your life when you are mainly interacting with other couples who are also open, afterwards you you go back to you know your own houses, and so it doesn't. There isn't the the constant drain of having to see someone every single week and maintain the relationship. Uh, so it takes less time. It <laughs> makes it much easier to plan your life because generally it's assumed that if you have to get up and move somewhere for work reasons or whatever that your partner, your primary partner, is going to come with you. It, it looks very much like a traditional monogamous relationship without actually being monogamous. And that is that is a level of security that some people really need because when you more have the four open relationships with people, 
then you're not quite as much guaranteed that. And I personally think that sort of freedom is awesome, but then there's other people who want are more than willing to trade in that freedom for some stability and some security, that this person will still always be with them. And it gives you someone that is just the default person you always go to, you do everything with. It's, it's all the standard um, arguments for having a, some, a person that you pair up with. A significant other. Yeah. So it was my default to assume that people would date until they decide they wanted to be exclusive and then be monogamous. Relationship escalator. Yeah. So that was, and I just want to throw in a note that, yeah, getting off the relationship escalator is, I think, fantastic and freeing. Other people don't find it freeing. Mm. And that's, that's okay. That's fair. But then when I was in a polyamorous relationship, I was told that hierarchical is how people do it. And I was like, oh, in that case, I have two primary partners. Oh, and that's cool. Yeah. Um, that was more primary. That was my, <laughs> and that was my response to that is I spent like, I don't play favorites. They're very different people. They're very different people. And I have these two relationships that are necessarily different because they're with different people who I love. I love them both. I actually had to learn that hierarchical isn't the only way to do things before and before I was like, oh, I just have two primaries. Okay. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot to look into, a lot of, a lot oh of God, homework. Yes. Anyway, um, actually, the truth is, if you have some questions, feel free to ask us. Also, I'm not sure we really did that good a job of steel manning because um. <laughs> it's just so hard for me to figure out. I don't out. know if you should be inviting steel we invite very polite steel manning. Yeah, if, if you have a great argument in favor of monogamy, bring it to the table. As long you as know. it isn't, you know, you are actually doing polygamy and this is why polygamy is awful. If yeah, have, we know why polygamy is awful. If you have a good argument to bring to the table, <laughs> yes. please do. Also, um, polite. No well, name calling, yeah. you know. That's just um, standard, things, things tend to Things tend to get pretty not good when you're talking about this kind of stuff, unfortunately. Really? In the this comments is, section, heck yeah! Oh, <laughs> this is this is pretty heavy stip, pretty heavy topic for most people. Okay, you know, so like I, I you're, you're, would hope that it, as it, rationalists, uh, agree <laughs> as, as rationalists, but to somebody who's maybe being exposed to this through the podcast, you know, if for the if, first time, if you're uh, if you're coming to them and saying, "Man, the way that you look at your your primary relationship, your marriage of ten years," I'm telling you that it's probably not the best way to set up a marriage or set up a, a lifestyle. That's going to sound like an attack. You know, well, if anyone well, says there's no difference between what you're doing and fucking animals, then they're banned. But yeah. I don't think anyone would do that. All right, yeah. You guys, you guys know the rules. Talk nice. Bring us questions. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. Get come to our subreddit, the Bayesian Conspiracy. Write us, uh, Bayesian Conspiracy Podcast at gmail.com. We got to get a shorter end. Yeah, we do. Or leave a comment on our website, thebayesianconspiracy.com. And if you have a couple minutes, uh, put a rating and review at iTunes. I think that that gives oh, us yeah. more that always to helps a lot. And, uh, oh, that would make a big difference. Uh, takes three seconds. You don't even have to write a review. So if you want to, though, go for it. Thanks for listening. Know this was a lot of relationship talk and signing off. Bye. Bye.